So verse 3, then the king stood by a pillar and he made a covenant before the Lord to follow the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all of his heart and all of his soul to perform the works, the words of this covenant that were written in this book. And notice, and all the people took a stand for the covenant. Every creature's unique in the song that it sings, all exclaiming, indescribable, uncontainable. You place the stars in the sky and you know them by name. You are amazing, God. Oh, powerful, untamable, awestruck with Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. As we continue our study in 2 Kings chapter 23, Pastor Rob conducts a review of this chapter from the beginning. After the word of God was read to him, King Josiah stood before the people and publicly declared his commitment to obey the word of God to the very best of his ability with all of his heart and all of his soul, making a covenant with the Lord. And all the people took a stand for the covenant. We don't read of any command for the people to do this. They did it spontaneously as they followed the king's example and leadership. Now let's join Pastor Rob in chapter 23 in the book of 2 Kings. Since we have been together, we started this chapter of 2 Kings. We started in chapter 22 and chapter 23, and it's really outlining for us the the life and the ministry and the reign of Josiah, uh, one of Israel's greatest kings, and and in my opinion... um, I think of Josiah and and David as being my two favorite kings of of all of Israel, all of the northern tribes and the Judah. I think of David being my favorite for different reasons, but I love Josiah because he was just an amazing young man, started off his reign at eight years old. Can you imagine that? While most kids are playing with Tonka trucks, he's got the, the weight of the country on his shoulders, and certainly he had many... Um, men and around him that were older and could guide him through the process of being a king. But we looked at his life. We began to look at it before we um, had uh, uh, Good Friday and, and all of that. And so let's get back into it. I, uh, the last time we were together, we looked at, I picked really seven different passages of Scripture that really kind of summarize the life of Josiah. And as you can tell, we've already looked at some of these. Uh, we've looked at Second uh, Chronicles chapter 34. Uh, that just spoke of Josiah at 16 years of age, the eighth year of his reign, seeking the Lord, uh, and then at 20 years of age, in 12 years of his reign, or in the 12th year of his reign, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of its idols. Because up to this point... Uh, his father, Manasseh, and his forebears, going back, um, they were, many of them were idolaters. And so finally, when Josiah comes on the scene, he's got this, this country, this nation that is in such a mess spiritually, and yet God used just one person, 
And I want to encourage you with that because, yes, he was a king and he had influence, but do you know that even you and I, as one person, we can make a difference in everywhere, everywhere we go, whether it's, whether it's in our family or whether it's at our workplace, or your, your school, wherever it is, seek to be like Christ and allow Christ to live in and through you. And don't be afraid. Be bold, but be, be loving. And there's the, the key to it all, right, is be bold, but be loving. How can you be bold and loving? Well, it, 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 it's possible. Being bold is not hard for some people. They can just be really harsh and bold. Ah, but to be loving and bold is a whole different matter. And see, that's when the Spirit of God is at work. When you can be loving and you can have a smile on your face and tell somebody the truth. And they know that you love them. You're not just being critical of them. Does that make sense? And see, that's everything, folks. And, and, and Josiah was one of these characters. You know, he comes on the scene and he, his, his, everything from his past has been completely uh, it's just such a mess. And he's got a huge, huge mess to clean up. And God touched his heart. And think of the patience of God. He comes into his reign at eight years old. And then at 16 years old, he starts to, his heart is moving toward God. And then at 12 years of age, or I'm sorry, at, uh, at 20 years of age, 12 years into his reign, he begins to purge Judah and Jerusalem of its idols. Think of that, folks, at 20 years of age. What were you doing when you were 20 years old? I can tell you what I was doing at 20, and I'd be too ashamed to say it. There was nothing good about my 20s, or at least my early 20s. But we looked at that in Second Chronicles chapter 34, 1 and 2, and then Second Kings 23, uh, verses 26 through 27. Really just, and, and again, this is just a recap of those chapters, God's promise of judgment. And even though Josiah was a great man of God, God said that there was coming a time of judgment. And even though Josiah was a man of incredible character, and God was going to give him a long reign, 31 years, and it was a good reign for him and for the nation of Israel. It was a, he's called a reformer king because he had to reform all of the business that his forefathers had done and all the idolatry. And he had to undo all that. And that took a lot of courage. And it took some time. In Second Chronicles 34, verses 3 through 7, we looked at Josiah rooting out the idolatry. And then Hilkiah, the high priest, going into, as they're removing the junk, and I literally mean junk, out of the house of God, out of the temple, all of the idols, as they're removing all of this stuff, it was a huge project, Hilkiah, the high priest, finds a copy of the book of the law, meaning... The Pentateuch, the five books of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. He finds a copy, and it's like everybody's excited, because no, it makes you wonder if there's any other copies around. But they found it, and it was like gold to them. And Shaphan, the scribe, he comes and he brings it to the, you know, to the, um, to finally to the king, and, and the king is all excited. Hilkiah gives it to Shaphan. Shaphan takes it before King Josiah. He begins to read those things, and Josiah's heart just breaks. And as a sign of grief over all the things, all the sins that they had done as a nation, he tears his clothes as a grief. That's what the Jews did when they were grieving. You and I, we just grab some Kleenex and put our head in our lap. They would actually tear their clothes. And then we looked at 2 Kings chapter 22, 
verses 3 through 20. And in that, which we looked at when we first got together, uh, Josiah was now 26 years of age, and he began to repair the temple. Now that he had removed all of the idolatrous junk that was inside of it, he begins to uh, repair the temple and then employ those with the skills to do the work to clean it up. And while they're cleaning it out, obviously they find the book of the law. And then Josiah asks... um, Actually, I think I just read that. Josiah asked for Hilkiah and Shaphan and others to inquire of the Lord for him. And then they go and they consult a prophetess. I don't know why, you know, they didn't consult a prophet, a male prophet. But regardless, there's a woman by the name of Huldah, the prophetess. And so they they visit her and and she has some really interesting things to say. In fact, uh, it's not even her that's saying it. Uh, back in chapter 22, of beginning in verse 15, so Josiah sends this embassage to Huldah the prophetess, and she says, Thus says the Lord God, Tell the man who sent you to me, thus says the Lord, Behold, I will bring calamity on this place, speaking of Jerusalem, and on its inhabitants, all the words of the book which the king of Judah has read, meaning the the book of the law, because they have forsaken me and burned incense to other gods that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands. Therefore, God is speaking through this woman. He he says to her to, to share, Therefore my wrath shall be aroused against this place and shall not be quenched. Meaning judgment is coming. There's no way to stop it. And you know, that's a dangerous thing. When God comes to the, when you, when, when a person or a nation crosses the Rubicon, we've talked about this a lot because this whole Second Kings, First Kings has all been about that. And now that the northern ten tribes have been taken into captivity, now Judah is getting ready, but they're going to have a bright ray of sunshine for about thirty-one years. That's quite a long time, wouldn't you say? Think about thirty-one years. And that was Josiah's reign. Think back, subtract 31 years from your life right now and think about how much time has passed. And that was the time that God gave them the grace. He already told them and he told the prophetess, judgment is coming. But notice, here's the, the word of grace. And aren't you, God, aren't you glad God is a God of grace? Can everybody nod just to, so I know everybody's awake? All right, there we go. All right. So you just had dinner, so you're kind of like, uh, whoa. <laughs> so, yeah, I hear you. <laughs> so, but notice the, the word of grace that God gives. He goes, but as for the king of Judah who sent you to inquire of the Lord, in this manner you shall speak to him. So God, using the, the, the prophetess, says to Josiah, thus says the Lord God of Israel, Concerning the words which you have heard, because your heart was tender and you humbled yourself before the Lord, when you heard what I spoke against this place and against its inhabitants, that they would become a desolation and a curse, and you tore your clothes and you wept before me, I also have heard you, says the Lord. Surely, therefore, here is such a wonderful thing. God says, surely, therefore, I will gather you to your fathers and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace. And your eyes shall not see all the calamity which I will bring on this place. And so they brought back word to the king. Isn't that exciting? Is God a God of grace or is he not? Everybody has this 
idea. And, and you talk to people on the street or you talk to people who don't come to Calvary Chapel where they don't get in your, into the Word or whatever, and you, you talk to them about the God of the, you know, the Old Testament, and they will think, oh, he was so cruel and mean, and just you know, stomping on people. And it's like, you know, he's not. He's the same. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He hasn't changed. And if God wanted to scrub out Jerusalem and Judah, he had every right to right at that moment. But to whom much is given, much is required. He gave them a lot, and he's giving them even more time to come around. And, and God, in doing that, God knew that this young man, Josiah, would be a bright light for the nation of Israel. And unfortunately, that bright light was 31 years, and then it got snuffed out. He died prematurely. We'll see that tonight. And then from then on, it was just a plummet. Josiah, or Josiah's son and his son, and then it wasn't long, Zedekiah, and then finally they were taken captive. The whole place was burned down. The temple was destroyed. But notice, let's stay on the bright light part of it, okay? Because I don't know about you, uh, it's nice to talk about some good news rather than bad news. So let's look at uh, chapter 23. It says, Now the king sent to them, uh, sent them to gather all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem to him. And then the king went up to the house of the Lord with all the men of Judah and with all the inhabitants of Jerusalem and the priests and the prophets and all the people, both small and great. And notice he read in the hearing, in their hearing, all the words of the book of the covenant which had been found in the house of the Lord. Notice that the natural inclination of Josiah was not to hide that truth in his own heart, but rather to share it, to make everybody accountable to it. And, and that's a wonderful thing, because now the truth, they're going to hear the truth, they probably haven't heard it in a long time, and now Josiah is going to share it, and everyone's going to be affected just like he was. If their hearts were right, they would follow this really great king, this good example, and it's going to be a nationwide revival, one like Israel had never seen. They're going to have a Passover unlike any other Passover they have ever had, and Josiah would be at the helm. Notice in the second half of that second verse there, it says, and he read in their hearing all the words of the book, right? And so we know this, that Romans tells us that faith comes by what? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing the word of God. Faith comes by hearing, not by seeing. It's always by hearing. I love that. And be, I would encourage you to be really careful about the things that you see, especially religious movies about Jesus or about the Bible, because you'll remember what you see. Your eyes can remember things, and, but the Bible says that faith comes by hearing. And so as we read the Bible, you, you'll recognize, if you know the Bible well, you'll be able to watch a, a movie about Jesus or about the apostles or something like that, and you're like, well, that's not in the Bible. Well, that's not in the Bible. So why are you watching it? When they're making up stuff that doesn't even make sense, and sometimes they even take it in some really crazy ways, like The Chosen. That's not really a Christian show, folks. And that may upset some of you. That whole program is a mess. Really think about it. So verse 3, Then the king stood by a pillar, and he made a covenant before the Lord, to follow the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all of his heart and all of his soul, to perform the works, the words of this covenant that were written in this book, 
And notice, and all the people took a stand for the covenant. And I love that. They, they took a stand for it. So the, this pillar that uh, he stood by was a customary place in the inner courtyard of the temple where the king would address the people. And as you, many of you know, there were two pillars in front of the temple. And, and they were freestanding uh, pillars that were made by Solomon. One was called Boaz on the left, and on the right was Yaquin. And um, so it could be one of these pillars, or it could be a platform that he would stand on to address the people. We know that Solomon had built such a platform to elevate him. It tells us that in Second Chronicles 6, verse 13, where he would get up on this platform to just elevate himself above so his voice would carry over the crowd. But I love, and all the people took a stand for the covenant. <laughs> Good godly leadership encourages people to follow, doesn't it? When there's a, a good leader, people like to follow people who are, who are doing the right things. And it registers in your heart, doesn't it, when somebody's doing the right thing and you want to get behind it. You want to get behind it. So verse 4, And the king commanded Hilkiah the high priest, the priests of the second order, and the doorkeepers, to bring out the temple of the Lord Bring out of the temple of the Lord all the articles that were made for Baal and for Asherah and for all the host of heaven. And he burned them outside Jerusalem in the fields of Kidron and carried their ashes to Bethel. So remember I said they went into the temple and they're just bringing out all of this stuff from Baal worship, which was a Canaanite uh, deity that they would worship. And Asherah, she was a fertility goddess of the Canaanites. And they would have all this filthy stuff, all these idols and, and horrible things that they were doing. And finally, he's bringing it all out into the Kidron. And if you've been to Jerusalem or been to Israel, you'll notice that there's a, there's a valley between the, the Temple Mount and then there's a valley, the Kidron Valley, and then the Mount of Olives. And right in that valley, there used to be a river or a stream going through there. It's no longer there. But he took these things out there in those fields in the, in the, in the valley there, and he would burn them and burn them to ashes, bringing to no no remembrance of them whatsoever, and um, and he took them to Bethel, and we'll we'll see why later in the chapter why he re- he took those ashes to Bethel. But verse five, then he removed the idolatrous priests whom the kings of Judah had ordained to burn incense on the high places in the cities of Judah and in the places all around Jerusalem. And those who burned incense to Baal, to the sun, to the moon, to the constellations, and to all the host of heaven. It was just a, a, a it was just a, a a new wave a new age central depository of everything. Anybody been to Key West? <laughs> Raise your hand if you've been to Key West, Florida. Okay, just a few of us. You know what Key West is like. Some Key West parts of Key West are okay, but are all around Key West are palm readers, tarot card readers, all kinds of weird stuff. I mean, it's like a zoo down there, especially after 6 o'clock. When the sun starts to go down, it's like all the demons come out. And it's a really different place from in the morning when you go. But um, verse 6, he brought out the wooden image. Notice a very specific wooden image from the house of the Lord. And this was... Uh, again, a, an image, a wooden pole, and it was basically a, a phallic symbol of the goddess Asherah, who was this goddess of the Canaanites. 
and, and, and it was a wooden thing that was made in that shape. And, and so he brought that out to the Kidron outside of Jerusalem, burned it in the brook Kidron, ground it to ashes again, threw, it, threw its ashes on the graves of the common people. And then he tore down the ritual booths of the perverted persons that were in the house of the Lord, where the women wove hangings for the wooden image. And so what we have here is uh, perverted persons is speaking, it literally is a male prostitute. A male prostitute for other men. Is, and, and that's the idea, a homosexual person. And that's what is spoken of here. And the women, these hangings that they would do, they would have these um, uh, pavilions, and the women would uh, create these tapestries to go over the outside of the pavilions. And inside the pavilions, obviously, are all these lewd acts that they would do to worship their false gods. And, and that's really what was uh, happening there. But, you know... You know, in our culture, you know, this, this would be called, they would call God hate, hate. He's, he's, he's bringing hate speech, right? <laughs> because he's, he's talking about perverted persons. In the, in the original language, it's a homosexual, male. In our culture, that's going to throw us in jail at some point. It's already doing it in Canada. You can't speak about this stuff in Canada. But you know what? God loves the homosexual. He loves the heterosexual who's in fornication. Fornication is fornication, follow? He loves the person, but he hates the sin. And that's the thing we have to remember. God hates the sin. And see, somehow, we've, we, the church, we've divorced that because we don't understand, many people don't understand homosexuality. It kind of repulses them because, you know, most people aren't, attracted to the same sex and so it's something that we don't understand and therefore we fear it we don't like it we we tend to have a a harder time with that than a male and a female sleeping around you follow but god loves that person they're just looking for love in all the wrong places he loves them but he hates the sin he loves the heterosexual fornicator but he hates the sin in Genesis, it, it tells us to be fruitful and multiply. He made male and female to be fruitful and multiply. You can't be fruitful and multiply unless you're male and female. Follow me? And a male cannot be pregnant. Amen? <laughs> it can't happen. Anyway. Verse 8. And he brought all the priests from the cities of Judah. And he defiled the high places where the priests had burned incense. And when it talks about him defiling those high places, he would burn, uh, he would burn uh, incense, or he would burn in the, the priests. Um, and we'll find out that later when he gets to Bethel. He actually burned the bones of the priests that were offering these false to these false gods. He would actually burn their bones on that altar and defiling the altar. And, um, and, and that'll be later. But he defiled the high places where the priests had burned incense from Geba to Beersheba. Also, he broke down the high places at the gates, which were at the entrance of the gate of Joshua, the governor of the city, which were to the left of the city gate. And, you know, as we go through this, aren't you amazed at just the detail that we have here? Because a lot of people think that this is just um, a story or this really wasn't real. 
But as you read this, it's defining very specific places. That's the end of our lesson for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 2 Kings. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office you can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.